everybody. Welcome to the OETA Movie Club Podcast. My name is Jeff Mareva. I'm the director of the show, and I'm here with our host, Mr. Robert Birch. Jeff, how are you doing? I am doing really great, my friend. How are you doing? Really great. We have a really great film. We week. do. You know, I'm always up for that. Yes, we have a really good one to talk about this week. So, um, so the OETA Movie Club airs every Saturday night at 9 on mm-hmm. OETA, and uh, we repeat the following Fridays at 11. Yeah. Um, in case you missed it the first time or you're up late the next Friday and want to watch it again. <laughs> um, and this week, we've got a great one to talk about. It's The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Oh, 1960. Awesome. Uh-huh. The original, not this remake junk. <laughs> we'll talk about that, right? <laughs> we, no, this is actually, this is a, actually is a remake. Well, that's true. It, this is a, this is kind of a, I mean, it's a remake, but they also made it their own, you know. Right. I mean, it was a, it's reset. It's a reset. Right. Yeah. The original is Akira Kurosawa's uh, classic Japanese film, The Seven, Sam- Seven Samurai. And, you know, the director, John Sturgis, and, and uh, several uh, cast members are big fans of this film at yes. the time. And yeah. so uh, a lot of people were big fans of that and wanted to do an American version. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, the people who were in it were considered themselves lucky at the time. Oh, yeah. To be, to be working on this. Yeah. So set it up for us. Tell us what this movie's about. Uh, so the movie is, uh, the basic plot is that um, there's a, a lot of bandits in Mexico that are terrorizing this small village. And the peasants in the village sort of put their money together and hire uh, some gunfighters to come and defend them and and get rid of the bandits, uh, to run them off or kill them. Yep. Now, of course, my favorite version of this movie is The Three Amigos. <laughs> <laughs> just so, kidding, just kidding. So like the wind. So like That's the wind. my favorite, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that is a great movie. The Three Amigos is a pretty pretty good movie. All the little uh, extra Spoof. little films, you know, that, that they talk about having made, you know, um, uh, Little Nettie Goes to War and... <laughs> I, you know, I at Blockbuster, I had a couple of assistant managers that worked for me that they loved Three Amigos so much, then and they, uh, they, um, they, they, they memorized all of the dialogue. It was, you know, they would always do the, the Three Amigos uh, uh, salute. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. Which is not in this film. It's not in this film. No, that's something they came up with on their own. Um, <laughs> But, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the main stars in this, Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. Now, Yul Brynner was the one who really pitched doing this movie. Yeah. Um, and really got it, was the one who got it off the ground and running. Yeah, he had so much to do with this that he had uh, some sway as to the casting of yeah. this film. Yeah, he, he, he had a lot of decision-making in the casting. He picked Steve McQueen. Well, he was a fan of Steve McQueen. He was a fan of Steve McQueen. Because you remember, he's on uh, the TV show uh, Wanted, Dead, or Alive. Right. And uh, a lot of people spotted him and, and said, oh, that guy, he is going to be big. Yeah. And Yul Brynner was one of those people that yeah. was a fan. Now, I'm wondering, though, if he was a big fan after this movie. <laughs> because <laughs> apparently, apparently not. they yeah. did not get along. Yeah. There was a lot of... Them scene trying stealing. to one up each other yeah. and scene stealing and everything. Well, you know, having you know worked in the theater, uh, upstaging 
is a, a no-no. A no-no, right? Exactly. And that's just you know where you are on the stage. Right. Uh, this they were doing everything that they could to pull the focus, which is a huge no-no. Right. It's more than just upstaging. That's that's you know pulling the focus. Scene still really uh, can yeah. be detrimental to the film itself. Oh right. Yeah. Of but in this instance, it seems like I mean to me they really never really crossed over the line in that way. You know, the film was actually better for the fact that they that they yeah. were trying to upst- upstage one another. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's just, the, it, it apparently even spread to uh, the other actors as they all kind of started pulling stunts of their own Yeah, in order to get the audience's att- attention, you know. But the big ones, you know, that you, you know, that you can tell, like, um, uh, Steve McQueen rattling the uh, the shotgun shells, right? Uh, or like he uh, he pulls his hat off as they're crossing the uh, the river and and reaches down and gets a uh, fills it with water and then puts it back on his head. Uh, you know all uh, all of these. Uh, you know, Yul Brenner uh, uh, did it himself with elaborately lighting a cigar. Um, Steve McQueen was very concerned. That um, uh, Yul Brynner's horse, horse was, was bigger, taller, yeah. and bigger than his. <laughs> yeah, they they uh, I'm sure they loved each other by the time this. <laughs> but well, they they actually said that there was a lot of bad blood, but they did reconcile. Yeah, years later, um, Steve McQueen is dying, right, of cancer, of cancer, and actually calls up Yul Brynner and thanks him. Mm-hmm. Um, and apologizes. And apologizes and thanks him. And, and Yul Brynner says, for what? And McQueen says, well, you know, I you know, rode, you, rode you pretty hard in that film and, and really, you know, gave you a hard time. But, you he know. He says, you could have kicked me off at any time. Yeah. And if it weren't for you, uh, I would have not been in that film. And, you know, that film made me a big star. Yeah. And he just wanted to thank him and tell him that, again, that he was he was sorry. Yeah. Um, now, you know, so there's like, but during the, you know, the filming, Brenner, at one point, he's, he says, you know, uh, he hired a, an assistant to count the number of times that Steve McQueen would touch his hat, you know, because oh, wow. was, he felt that, that was pulling focus. Uh, he... Um, uh, he told Steve McQueen, he says, look, if, if you do that again, if you, you know, do that with the hat again, I'm going to take my hat off. And then, you know, nobody's going to be looking at you for the rest of the film, right? Because, <laughs> you know, he's bald. Bald. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, and this film didn't have the greatest reviews when it first came out. It was kind of a mixed review. Yeah, and it, um, it was a box office flop. Yeah, it was. It didn't make and money now until it's the, one of the European distribution. Yeah, and now it's one of, considered one of the greatest films oh, of all yeah. time, you know. And, classic. And I'm sure to this date, if you took all the sales and uh-huh. you know, what it's made thus far, oh, it yeah. be, oh. be Television, cable, streaming, uh, video sales. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's made... Uh, fortune five times over. Well, um, talk a little bit about John Sturgis because he, even though the film got mixed reviews, he had like what he considered the best review. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, critics didn't like, uh, you know, didn't uh, tell him much, but uh, uh, he got a call uh, and a gift 
from Akira Kurosawa. Yeah. Um, which is the ultimate. He sent yeah. him a, a, a sword. A ceremonial a sword. ceremonial sword, yeah. Um, and, yeah, which I'm sure was a prized possession for the rest of his life. I mean, oh, yeah. You don't get a better um, uh, pat on the back than, you know, when you remake another man's film and he tells you he liked it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, it just doesn't get any better than that. Well, we briefly talked about the remake. Um, do we want to <laughs> share any more on that? I I've wasn't a fan. It. I didn't think it was very good. I'm just not a fan of remaking a movie with this much. Right. This much, uh, what's the word I'm looking mm. for? History and yeah. clout and everything. I mean, like. This is considered, like I said, this is, you look at AFI, uh, American Film Institute, you look at Rolling Stone, you look at any of the Rotten Tomatoes, you know, uh-huh. like this is probably in the top 25 films of, of all, all time, time. Yeah. in multiple lists. Right. And I just don't think you redo, make those so, movies. So, I mean, why? Uh, why? Why do you do that? Uh, the well, studio I know wants why. to make money. Yeah, the studio yeah. wants to make money. But And the title alone will guarantee you so much sure. at the box office. But... You know, when if it's not good, and you don't get good word of mouth, then really, I mean, you're going to get only a couple of weeks of uh, a full, you know, filling theaters, and then it's going to, you know, crater. Yeah. You know, you're going to, you know, it's going to go to Europe. You're going to get that money, and then streaming and video sales. But um, yeah, I don't know. Why would you do it? Well, are you going to remake Gone with the Wind? Citizen Kane, uh, Casablanca, The Wizard of Oz. Are you going to remake those? Right, exactly. Please, no, don't. Do well, that. I think there have been a couple of remakes of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, and King Kong was remade a, a yeah. bunch of times. But um, yeah, it, it just falls flat to me. Uh, I'm I work on something else. You know, come exactly. up with a come up with a script. new idea. Yeah, yeah, we need but new Hollywood ideas. loves a built-in audience. You know that's why yeah. the the comic book films are so uh, prevalent. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of cool that um, Eli Wallach um, like dressed the part as the bandit. Like, you know, a lot of movies you don't necessarily see when it's a bandit. You think of oh, dirty clothes, dirty, you know, whatever. But he uh-huh. actually wore a silk shirt. Sported gold rings and teeth uh-huh. um, because he wanted to show what the bandits did with their loot. <laughs> and, you know, the, um, they hired a bandit gang to you know f- to be in the film, and they uh, they were kind of like real bandits. Yeah, and they adopted Eli Wallach into their gang, and <laughs> you know they were like coaching him on you know how to hold your gun, how to ride your horse, how to get on the horse, and uh, you know they just they they wanted to make sure that he was. He represented them well yeah. in the film. Yeah. Well, he even uh, used the silver trim saddle that Marlon Brando used in One-Eyed Jack. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. And look for that when you see the Oh, film. yeah. Look for that. Yeah, it's a cool it's, saddle. It's, it's a really cool saddle. Um, uh, another really cool little trivia fact that's about this is mm-hmm. um, this is an Elmer Bernstein score. Um, great score. Uh-huh. And uh, John Williams... Is actually in the orchestra. He's the piano player. Uh-huh. So John Williams, that would go on to do the most iconic film scores that you can think of from the 1970s on. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, almost everything. Everything in the 80s, 70s, 70s and 80s. Oh man. Yeah, 
And this score is actually used again in uh, the Three Amigos. Three Amigos, yeah. 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 Plus, you know, the the uh, the theme to uh, the Magnificent Seven is uh, was used for uh, the Marlboro uh, the cigarettes, cigarette yeah, commercials, commercials yeah. too. Back when you used to be able to have cigarette commercials, now it's <laughs> on TV. On TV, I remember it. Smoke them with you. Oh yeah, and they were a uh, major. They were the uh, advertiser for Gunsmoke. Oh yeah. So you would hear this theme uh, at least a couple of times during uh, if you're watching Gunsmoke. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, how James Coburn got this role. Yeah. Because uh, he wasn't originally cast in this. This no, was um, they wanted, Sterling Hayden. Yeah. Was originally him cast. For that. Um, and he'd have been great. Oh he, yeah. He would have. Yeah. Or or magnificent. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, his um, you know uh, his good friend Robert Vaughn said, "Hey, I've got this. I've got this friend that he would be perfect." Yeah, for this. Sterling Hayden drops out for uh-huh. unknown reasons. Yeah, and um, John Sturgis actually sent out a casting call, uh-huh. and uh, Robert Vaughn recommended his old friend James Coburn. Now they were um, they were never in another film together, but they were. Uh, Friends, lifelong friends. Yeah, and, and kind of helped each other got role, get oh, roles. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. but would never acted again in another film. Yeah. Now uh, he uh, uh, Coburn, James Coburn, works with uh, uh, director John Sturgis uh, the very next year after this on The Great Escape. Yeah. So you know he, uh, I'm sure he probably recommended Robert Vaughn for that. But uh, and Great Escape, I, kn- I know where you can see that in a couple of weeks. Oh really? Yeah. Really. Yeah, on a Saturday yeah. night at nine. Yeah, actually next week. Or week next, after, week next, after this. After week, yeah. Uh-huh. Week after this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought it was really funny when I was reading about this part that um, so they they're shooting in Mexico. Uh huh. They have to hire because of the laws of the, they mm-hmm. have to hire Mexican censors. Uh huh. And the Mexican censors required that the peasants, the Mexican peasants. Always be wearing clean clothes, despite <laughs> the fact that they're farmers. Uh-huh. And this caused huge delays, um, <laughs> since it meant dozens of intentionally dirty costumes had to be thoroughly cleaned before filming. They had to wash commence. it. They, they had, had to, to wash, wash everything. I, how big a, a time, you know, I mean, you put them in, uh, you know, put them on, uh, uh, you know, hot, you know, <laughs> and then... Uh, all you have to do is dry them. I mean, it really is about an hour, right? Yeah, gonna, yeah, that's but it a depends huge on, delay. Depends on, are we? In, what are we talking? We're well, talking how many, Mexico in the 1960s. Well, like, yeah, like 1960. How many costumes did they have? And, and did we have, how many washing machines? Did we have electronic have? washing machines? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't oh, know. Oh yes, of course. They I mean, you know, of course. But, but that was the deal: was that the Mexican censors uh, really were kind of put in place to. Um, to kind of change the narrative of what Mexico was all about, you know, yeah. the whole idea of them being uh, dirty peasants or something, they wanted to, you know, expunge that yeah. from their right. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Reputation. Did you have to? Did you have to drive an hour to get to? <laughs> a, I mean, like, because they're shooting on location out in the right. middle of nowhere right. in these but, you know little villages yeah, and stuff. And well, they had to have electricity. They had to. Well, of course they had to electricity. Shoot. Yeah, to shoot. Of course so, that, but yeah. I, and that's not what I meant. But I mean, and you put a washer and dryer on a truck and bring well, them true, down from true. L.A. You know, but, but uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. That just, that but just cracked, I'm sure that they just cracked me up. It has to be clean clothes, even yeah. though you're a farmer. <laughs> and you'd be dirty. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, another thing that I thought was really funny was, um, and, and you know, watch for this when you watch the movie. Uh-huh. Eli Wallach, whenever he handles his gun and he puts it back into his holster, uh-huh. he's really eyeballing that holster. <laughs> he was really paranoid about not about dropping his gun. Uh huh. Well, he's got that the hired Mexican gang there who's right. watching his every move to make sure he's got it right. You know, you're one of us. So yeah. you better, you know, you better hit that, uh, you know, hit that holster and make it look good. And plus, you know, he probably didn't want to shoot himself in the leg like Chico did. Oh, yeah. The, uh, what's his name? Horst, um, the actor who played the Chico. The actor, yeah. Um, accidentally shot himself in the leg on set. <laughs> now, granted, yeah. these were blanks. Right. But he shot it at such close blank range that it, like, hurt. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's uh, been major... Um, injuries caused, even deaths from uh, blanks, because you yeah. have to be about uh, three or four feet away. There's uh, still stuff that kind of comes out, right? Uh, when when those are fired, so oh, yeah. yeah, you have to be uh, at a distance. You but can't apparently he like, shot himself in the leg. Yeah, ooh, that would like hurt. hurt the hell out ooh, of himself. Man. Yeah. Um, so Yul Brenner was married on this set. Yeah. He was married, I guess, while they were doing the filming of this. Okay. Um, odd, but. And uh, they used a lot of the same props in uh, his marriage. And, oh, and, okay. And decorations and stuff. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, he was married on the set. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's a, I think little, that's a little weird. Yeah. I mean, you're there. You're trying in to one up Steve McQueen. Steve yeah. McQueen got married the next week. <laughs> on a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, uh, Brenner was, um, he was like 5'10", and Steve McQueen was like 5'9". You know, they were not like really tall guys. Right, right. And Yul Brenner was uh, concerned that he would look short next to, to uh, Steve McQueen. So he would build up these little burrums of dirt where he was standing <laughs> whenever he's in a scene with it. And whenever he'd walk away or go to talk to the director... Uh, Steve McQueen would brush it away with his foot. <laughs> like children like on children a, on a, a set. Oh, exactly. my God. On a playground. Um, so another thing I wanted to mention, Yul Brenner is the only actor from this movie to reprise his role mm-hmm. in Return to the Seven. In repri- yeah. 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 In Westworld. And, well, no, in Return to the Seven, which was... Um, oh, which was a sequel, if you will. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that either. Huh. I had to look it up. Return of the Seven. Return of the Seven, 1966. Because, again, the studio wants to make exactly. more money. Exactly, wants to make more money. Right. But Yul Brenner was the only actor. He needed the money. He needed yeah. He wanted to get married. He, he got a divorce on that set. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, but he does reprise that role in Westworld. The yes, science fiction which I have film. not seen. Uh, it's it well for the it's pretty hokey now. Yeah. The series, the HBO series, is brilliant, and, but it, yeah. it 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 basically starts with that premise, that same premise of that uh, the uh, robots of this uh, you know fake Western uh, playground basically uh, go haywire and they kill the the 
guests. It's like yeah. Disneyland only you can shoot people. Right. And uh, <laughs> how so, you feel when you're at Disneyland <laughs> and you're waiting in those one hour yeah, lines? Yeah. Don't you want to? Yeah. <laughs> like, if I could just take a few of these people out, I'd be a lot closer <laughs> to the front of that line right there. Come here, Goofy. <laughs> yeah. Run. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, the HBO series kind of. It takes that as the premise, but then runs with it in many different, very interesting directions. Yeah. But uh, in the film, um, you know, he plays this gunslinger, and he's the uh, the menace, uh, part of the menacing, the most menacing part of that, where he's chasing these uh, guests from the, uh, you know, all over this uh, amusement park, and. Uh, yeah, I mean he's it. It's uh, it's interesting. I'm gonna have yeah. to watch it. I'm gonna have to find. He wears it and watch the same it. costume, even. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. I mean it's 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 him from this film. Yeah. Which is you know kind of neat and and odd and and uh, but mesmerizing in a way. So we're almost out of time, but I did want to talk about one thing because we just finished up with an actor strike. Writer strike. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was apparently one going on in 1959. When they were casting this movie and started to shoot at this movie. Wow. And apparently they did things differently in the 50s. Because it says that the cast had to be quickly cast Uh in order to get around and beat the actor's strike. What? It says the only chance of getting the the movie made was to assemble the main cast before the strike began. So there was a furious rush to get all seven actors together and the cast was just barely assembled in time. So does that mean if, if they got it cast before the strike, they could go ahead and shoot? You'd have to shoot it before, before the strike, right? Because, like, you don't walk or onto the— did they do it yeah. differently in the 50s? Yeah, though, come on. I mean, not, some things don't change. I mean, your boss is not going to come to the negotiating table <laughs> if you're out still working. Still working, right? I know. So I know. I'm not sure how I that— under, I did, I just, But I read that, and it's kind of timely, I thought, yeah. since we just— have yeah, been dealing with this that strike. actor strike and, yeah. and everything, and so. But I thought that was an interesting fact that yeah, that, that they had them even they then. Had, they had well, and the strikes go back. There's been many strikes. Uh, not just, I mean, even stage actors. Yeah, uh, went on strike back in the 30s. Yeah, and um, so yeah, it's nothing new to Hollywood. It's just uh, you know, one is I can remember two in my lifetime. Yeah, besides this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, we are out of time. Um, I want to give a quick shout-out to our celebrity photo um, person, whose name is Stephen Johnson, who's sent in a, a really great, good one. great one with George Takei. Uh-huh. George Takei um, of Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and, uh, He's a good guy. And, uh, yeah, so that was a really cool, um, and it's a really cool story. I won't ruin it for you. you got to tune in and check it out. Yeah. But um, it's from a high school reunion. Uh-huh. So, uh so yeah, oh, you spoiled that. it. You already said oh, it. I said it. Oh man, <laughs> we'll edit. We'll cut that. Um, no. Um, so yeah, so that was a really cool um, celebrity photo. And if you have a celebrity photo, please send that in. There's a prompt at the end of this with the address and uh-huh. email address and everything. And and if you have one, please send it in and include a story along with it to let us know how you met the person. Who, and what, when, where, and why. And uh, yeah, we really enjoy getting those and. And then, like I said, next week we've got another great movie to talk about. It's actually a double feature next week. Right. Uh, we've got another The Great John Escape. Another John Sturges film. Yeah, Great Escape. With a lot of the same actors in. Yep. And then uh, as soon as it's over, we'll start 
probably around 11 o'clock, we'll, we'll start uh, the Birdman of Alcatraz. Ooh, with, uh, who's in that? Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. And Telly Sabalas. Carl Malden. And, uh-huh. Yeah, it's a bunch of some, character actors yep, in it's got that. some really good yeah. ones in it. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, again, please tune in each week. And until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. You can preview all upcoming OETA Movie Club films at oeta.tv forward slash movie club. And please send your celebrity photos to P.O. Box 14190, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73113, or you can email them to us at oeta.tv forward slash movie club. And of course, tune in every Saturday night at 9 and on Fridays at 11. We'll see you on the couch every weekend for a great movie and fresh popcorn.